Welcome to another episode of Once Upon East 112. I am one of your co-hosts, Aaron Avra, and join with me weekend, week out, snow, rain, sleet, sun, anything else just like the mailman, Donna Carroll. How are we doing this week? Yo, 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 Aaron, my man, I'm doing <laughs> good, dude. The man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Avra. The, In the uh, flesh. <laughs> One of the greatest podcast hosts of all time. I thought about going um, Mark Ingram on everybody and going Aaron Avra. <laughs> the uh, what was it? He's like, anybody got a problem with that? They can come see me. Big, <laughs> Big trust. trust. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. Aaron I like Avra. it. I like and it. I'm here for it. Problem with that? They can come see me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. Now, I'm speaking great, of what now, <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm great, dude. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Can't can't complain. Another week, uh, another podcast. Another week, another right. podcast. It's been it's been a good good week in sports that we'll uh, we'll dive into. Um, before we get started, I want to remind you uh, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, please help us out. Share it with a friend. Uh, Follow, subscribe, review, whatever your podcast service asks you to do. As far as I know, I think the only one that actually does reviews is, is Apple Podcasts. But still, review us if you can. Um, also, if you want to help interact with us on social media, help us decide what to talk about, especially as, you know, some of the seasons come to an end. We have an Instagram, which is at Once Upon East 112. And then we've also have a newly started uh, Facebook group which is also called Once Upon East 112, feel free to go follow that page, um, interact with us, let us know what you think. We're going to post uh, our podcast there as well, just like we normally do on social media. Uh, write about, you know, if you want to hear anything in particular, maybe we'll do some polls to get, get a feel for what y'all want. Uh, but we really like to cater to our, our listeners and what y'all like to hear. Um, but now, the moment you've been waiting for, the actual podcast. Um, so we're going to start out today. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, a few things. First, we're going to, you know, kind of dive into the college football uh, championship, kind of debrief what happened last night. Uh, we're going to talk about the conference championship games. And lastly, we're going to dis- discuss whether or not we think the Browns got it right with the coaching hire. Um, but we'll start it off with the college football national championship. We received a lot of flack for our take on the game. Uh, one in particular, and I'm going to call you out because you texted me, uh, Jimmy McDonald, everybody, if you want to go look yes, him up. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, speaking directly to you, texted me at, immediately after listening to the podcast and questioned our prediction about Clemson being blown out. I, predict, I projected that it would be a 42-17 game. Obviously, I wasn't correct, but I was just off by seven points. So Clemson still got that beat down. Um, and um, so, Jimmy, calling you out. I, 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 I did, though, appreciate your text because he is, for those that don't know who Jimmy is, he is a Georgia Tech fan. He knows the ACC through and through. And my knowledge of, like, ACC and any of their teams is Clemson. And then – there's Florida State and Miami because they used to be good and now they're not. And that's pretty much <laughs> my knowledge of the ACC. Um, so that's why he felt so um, – he felt like we were not correct on the matter. But, Donis, let's talk about the game. Um, what is your big – what's kind of your big takeaway from it? What do you think? Um, I know LSU got in, got the job done. It started out slow. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, man, I think yesterday LSU proved to us why they have been the best team in the country all season. They uh, they were on a completely different level, man. They came in and uh, the game was the game was close. You know, that first quarter, uh, I think it got up. You know, it was seventeen to seven at one point. It was seven seven to seven. I think they traded scores and then ten to seven, seventeen to seven. 
And then LSU came back 14 to 7, 21 to 7, or 14 to 17, 21 17, 28 17. And once they started going, man, it was just like, this is why LSU has been the best country in the nation probably since week two or three. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, they, they proved to, they proved to me at least last night that they were definitely the best team in the country. Um, I mean, Clemson, you know, Clemson, Clemson's really good too. And Clemson hung around, but LSU just put them away, man. They were on a completely different level. And they've been on a completely different level than everybody this entire season. Joe Burrow showed us why he, he's hands down been the best player, um, all season. And then that, uh, that offense, man, they, they have to be one of the most dominant offenses I think I've seen in our lifetime. And Joe Burrow has put together, I mean, he's put together arguably one of the most dominant, um, dominant single, like single person seasons, um, that I've seen in my lifetime. He, he finished the year with 5,600 pass yards and 60 touchdowns, which is insane, man. Uh, they, they were just, um, it, they, they were just different, man. Um, that's really, that was really my biggest takeaway. Uh, somebody needs to call, somebody needs to call the police cause that, that dude from Clemson, AJ Terrell, he was getting abused, man. <laughs> like, that was, it was unfair what Jamar Chase was doing to him, man. Um, I mean, that's really it, dude. That, they, they're just, that's really all I have to say. I don't know that there's really any, um, any other words for it. Just LSC's been on a completely different level than everybody else this year. And last night they, they finished it off. Um, at times just looking like they were in a completely different league than, than Clemson. Um, so which, I mean, Clemson, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence played good and he's 25 and one as a starter. And I mean, let's be honest, Clemson's probably going to win the national championship next year. So <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't feel too bad for them, but, um, Joe Burrow definitely made me feel better about picking against Abba Sweeney and Trevor Lawrence last, last night. So. That was kind of my takeaway. My thoughts was just the dominance of LSU this year, specifically their offense and Joe Burrow specifically as well. So, what were uh, what were your thoughts? What were some of your takeaways on it? Yeah, now pretty much the same thing. Um, it really started out slow. Uh, they traded a whole bunch of punts early, and then LSU, like you said, went up seventeen seven, and not LSU, Clemson went up seventeen seven. And I did kind of get worried. I thought back to because uh, my text exchange with with Jimmy, and I and I thought back to the podcast, and I was like, "Man, Clemson must actually be like." I'm like, I'm not saying they're a bad team or they're not a good team, right. but I was like, they must be a lot better than I was giving them credit because I know this LSU team is really good. And yeah. then, and you could tell Joe Burrow early was struggling, and then. After they were down 17-7, it's like Joe Burrow woke up, saw the light, and he just started lighting it up. And he went for over 450 yards. He had five touchdown passes. When I thought that he couldn't elevate his game further from what he did against Oklahoma, um, he just showed us that he is – it doesn't matter who he plays, he's going to show out. Uh, I believe they beat like seven top ten teams now this year. Um, they have a, an electric receiving core because against Oklahoma, there was that Jefferson kid that went off, and then this game, uh, he was killing it with uh, with Jamar Chase, who was kind of hit one of his guys all season. Um, the LSU defense really kicked it in the gear. I mean, what Clemson went up seventeen points quick, not quick, but seventeen seven, and then they didn't score again until the third quarter, and then they scored one time. Yeah. And they scored first in the second half, and then that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was more happy for for Coach O. Um, I'm big. I've, I've become a big Coach O fan. The more crazy stories I watch about him, uh, if you had, don't get a chance, or if you haven't listened to either you or anyone else, um, one of the podcasts I listen to is Mina Kimes' ESPN Daily podcast. She has one about uh, Ed Ogeron, and it is a must. Listen to you kind of you hear about the man and, and then you start like become a huge Coach O fan. Um, <laughs> so, so after that, I was like, oh man, I need Coach O to win this championship. Step. 
Uh, and then Joe Burrow just lit it up, like you said, uh, showed why he's going to be picked first overall and why the Bengals are going to make him their franchise guy. Um, last, last night, Brooke, uh, my wife, for those who don't know, Brooke's my wife. Brooke asked me, she goes, would you give up Baker for, for Burrow? And I said, no. And then I stopped and I said, but I'll let you know in five years. I'll let you know when I know what he is and what I know yeah. that Baker eventually becomes. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him come to the AFC North because if, yeah. if the Bengals do not take him, I feel like that would be a, the, the dumbest draft move you can make because I think he's going to be a stud. Uh, and I think he showed that once again last night when he beat down Clemson. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's about it with that uh, with the NCAA championship game. I just wanted to mainly talk about it because I almost predicted the score. Um, <laughs> but now the main entree. So if that was appetizer, we're gonna move on to our entree. We're gonna talk. We're not going to, I guess, debrief what happened last week. Instead, we are definitely going to talk about the championship games, and within that, we may mention some of these shockers that ended up happening. Um, we're going to move on to the conference championship game, and we will begin with – let's go with the NFC championship game. We'll begin there because I think the AFC championship game might be a very – that's my most intriguing game. So let's start with um, – I don't know if you agree or not, but I think that AFC right. game is, is like – I can't wait to see it. Uh, so we'll be going to the NFC Championship game. We got the Packers and the 49ers. For those of you that remember from last week's podcast, we predicted that the Seahawks would have won against the Packers. Their uh, comeback fell short. So we have Packers, 49ers. Um, Don, just, I'll let you analyze this one first, talk about it, and then I'll jump in. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Packers, 49ers, man, I'm trying to be respectful of the Packers. And uh, I'm trying to be respectful <laughs> specifically of Aaron Rodgers, but they've put me in a tough position because these two teams played earlier, and they played in San Francisco, and San Francisco beat them 37 to 8. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers had 104 pass yards. So I want to say, like, you know, the the Packers have a chance. I just – I don't see it. I mean, I, I, if you had a hard time beating them in the regular season, um, San Francisco has gotten better since you played. Jimmy Garoppolo looked a lot better in his first, I think his first playoff game last year, last, um, last week. Um, and honestly, Aaron Rodgers is a bad man, dude, but I just, I don't, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm worried about the Packers defense is what I'm worried about. Um, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has enough in him to to keep the Packers in the game, and I just I think the 49ers are going to get up early and they're just going to run away with it. This one, um, I don't know. I know that's that that's things for you guys. I don't have too much analysis. On that <laughs> I just I just I honestly think it's going to be a blowout. I do. Um, so I mean I don't know, man. I'll go and I guess the score. I, I mean, they beat them thirty-eight to seven last time. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'd say maybe it's probably going to be like forty-five to fourteen or something like that. Oh wow! Um, I mean, if I if I'm wrong next uh, next week, I will I will give you guys an apology. But I I just I don't think this game's going to be close at all. I mean, I think it's forty ers all the way to Super Bowl. What are we on? Fifty four, fifty five, Super Bowl fifty four, I think. Um, as the representatives of the NFC of the NFC conference, the forty ers advance, I think, forty five to fourteen. So you think it's gonna be a blowout? It's gonna be like that. I do, man. I mean the, the like the 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 thing is the forty ers defense is so good, man, and um that that defensive line is, is stout. Um the, their linebackers, like I didn't, I, I didn't even get to mention last week, uh, Quan Alexander, who I think is one of the better linebackers in the, in the league. He returned from injury, um, so they're they're fully healthy. That secondary played really good last week. Um, 
And, you know, like, they did a really good job at containing Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and the Vikings' passing offense. And to me, the Vikings have a better passing offense than the Packers. I mean, it's really Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and that's kind of it as far as receivers go. Um, So I'd imagine they're going to put Richard Sherman on Devontae Adams, and he's going to do a pretty good job. I mean, Devontae Adams is probably going to win a couple of the battles, but I think for the most part, Richard Sherman's going to do a good job of um, keeping keeping Devontae Adams in check. So then you, you think, well, can the Packers run the ball with Aaron Jones? And Aaron Jones is good too, but, like, that's where that defensive line that's so good and so deep, I mean, they're just going to be rolling dudes out there. I just I don't see how the Packers have a chance, and it's just because that defense for the 49ers is really good. Now, what I think would work in the Packers' favor is if Jimmy Garoppolo gets out there and just lays a goose egg. But what I imagine they're going to do is they're going to run the ball. The 49ers have one of the best running offenses, and the Packers have one of the of the worst running defenses. So everything is just kind of setting up for for the 49ers to really go in there and just, to me at least, stomp the, stomp the Green Bay Packers. Um, even even stuff as far as, like, coaching goes, like Kyle Shanahan's been in the league for a while, one of the better play callers. Um, Matt LaFleur, this is his second playoff game. Um, I just I don't know that he's going to have anything that that defense has not seen. Um, Robert Sala, or however you say his last name, um, I just I don't see how the Packers have a chance in this game, man. I, re- I really don't. Yeah, so I I actually uh, I, I agree with you. I, I'm looking at this game <laughs> and jeez, oh, the the 49ers. First off, their defense is is freakish. Um, They're unreal, man. Like, they play the Rams twice a year, and they play the Seahawks twice a year, and they've played some other high-powered teams, and they've played the Ravens. And the amount of points they've given up per game on average is 10 on the season. It's 10. And they've played some of these high-powered offenses. Um, And not, not to mention, you know, Green Bay gives up, 23 points per game and typically only scores 23.5 per game. Um, they're, they're, I, I mean, I've done a rundown their, their schedule and they're beating teams just by three to five points. And these are like, like they beat the, the Lions by a total of five points this year. And the Lions were terrible. Yeah. And one of those games had David Blau, which was their like third string, four string quarterback. Um, I, not and the 49ers last week um Jimmy G is not like anything to be scared of right but he like he threw a pick last week and then Shanahan proceeded to call like a majority run plays and they still beat down the Vikings so they right. contained like one of the high powered offense which Shanahan knows well and then they went on that defense, and their defense is pretty good. The Vikings' defense is, is not too shabby, and just right. proceeded to do whatever they wanted to. Um, and they ran all on them. I think Coleman had like a hundred yards. Uh, Mosterot, I don't even know how to say his last name. Uh, Mostert, something like that, uh, showed up for a cool sixty. Um, Jimmy G only had like a hundred and twenty passing yards. And they yeah. still beat them by by a double-digit score. Um, and I actually think the Vikings are a much more talented team than the Packers, even though the Packers Absolutely. are um, – even though the Packers are the two-seed and won the division, um, I would take Vikings more so than the Packers. Um, I also, you know, just like I think how the 49ers were able to demolish the uh, the, the Vikings, um, all these teams run the same offense, and Kyle Shanahan is like the brainchild. Um, and so the Packers are running what I would consider a more watered-down version of what Shanahan does, because Shanahan really amps it up uh, for each you know opponent to, to cater it to what he needs. And I wouldn't be surprised if once again, if you know, I don't know if he did this last week, but if he goes and sits with um, uh, Robert Sala and was like, "This is what they're going to throw at us. Let's stop it." 
Um, I imagine he probably has done that against teams that run the same offense, especially uh, last week when they played against Kirk Cousins, who um, Shanahan knows well. Um, I just do not see Green Bay having a shot. First off, it's a rookie head coach. Um, I'm not sure if he calls the plays or not, but it's a rookie head coach against Kyle Shanahan, who's also who's not a rookie head coach, uh, but this is his first time, you know, making it as far as a head coach and really his only successful season so far as a head coach. Um, but I think between having a rookie head coach and the 49ers just having a much, much stronger defense than anyone the Packers have seen yet, um, I think the 49ers will also be making their way to the Super Bowl. I don't think it would be close either. Um, I'm going to make it a little closer because the 49ers didn't quite blow out the Vikings like I thought they would. Uh, so I think it's going to be more along the lines of like 31 to 14. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't see if the Packers win, I'll be genuinely shocked, um, especially if it's by more than like three points. Um right. You know, Rodgers is great. He's, as Stephen A, he calls him a bad, bad man. But he's not bad enough to come out and, and, beat, and beat this 49ers defense. I don't think so. Uh, especially, you know, they can learn from what they play, what they had earlier in the season when they got beat down and only scored eight. But I don't think they're going to learn and adapt enough uh, in order to actually take on and beat the 49ers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 49ers with a win. For me, what did I say? Did I say 30? I don't even remember what I said now. You said 31-14. It was like 31-14. Sure. 31-14. So it's going to be a blowout. (laughs) (laughs) Giants also thinks it's going to be a blowout. Now, what I find as the much more fascinating game, or the one I'm excited to watch, I don't know if it's because it's a sixth seed that has somehow stumbled their way into a, a chance to go to the Super Bowl, we have the team, we have the team everyone expected to be here, the Tennessee <laughs> Titans, just kidding, the Kansas City Chiefs playing against the Titans, not the Ravens, like all of us predicted. I almost went with the Titans, and you almost talked me into going for the Titans because you made such a great uh, analysis of the Titans, great points. And we still both predicted a blowout <laughs> against the Titans. And lo and behold, uh, Lamar Lamar lights it up. He has like 500 yards on his own. And they yeah. still only score one touchdown, two field goals, and lose to Tennessee of all teams. Yeah. Um, so I'll start this one off. I'll, I'll go through the analysis of this game. I, I'm actually torn here. Yeah. I, am no, I am no longer hating on the Titans. I have been hating on the Titans, uh, I think, like I said last week, since week one, when we got absolutely smashed by them. And I was like, but they're not a good team. But here they are. <laughs> um, and then we watched them. We all cheered for them against the Patriots because everyone hates the Patriots. And then they got to the Ravens, and I was like, well, this is where it all catches up. And they beat the – did I say the Patriots again? I meant to say Ravens, but I did. Anyway, they got to the Ravens. Um, Everyone was like, ah, this is where Cinderella ends. But no, the story continues on. And here we are with them against the Chiefs and who I was hoping was going to be the Titans because let's just take a moment to address the fact that the Chiefs were sitting on uh, death's door and they're down 24-0 to against the Texans and somehow turn it around and blow out the Texans. 51 to 31. Like, the fact that they can do that. Yeah, shout out to Bill O'Brien. And what what I think started that was, once again, another shout out to Bill O'Brien that, uh, that fake punt that was called when you're up still 24 to 7, giving them phenomenal field position and allowed them to score three straight times very, very quickly. Also, if you go to halftime, I think they were losing at halftime. Um, they went through like whooping them to losing at halftime. Showed me that the Chiefs are a team, unlike what the Ravens couldn't do, uh, they're a team that can adapt. Um, right. they can adapt quickly. 
and it doesn't matter. Andy Reid has, has finally proven to us that it doesn't matter <laughs> how far they are down. They aren't out. I mean, when you're down 24-0 in the first half, you're like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> it's a wash. They have Deshaun Watson who's supposed to be tearing it up. But, no, the X Factor, Bill O'Brien, ruined it. Um, <laughs> so, I watching that game, I was like, okay, so the Chiefs are, like, like legit, legit. Like, they're back to last year's Chiefs. I know they struggled a little bit midway through the season. A lot of that had to do with Patrick Mahomes being out and then slowly coming back. But they seemed to, like, hit stride at the right time. Um, I thought that they didn't have a chance to make the Super Bowl this year because they had those injury concerns. They had slowed down. Uh, I thought, okay, the Chiefs' offseason from uh, offseason offense from last season not nearly as strong this year. Uh, but they proved all of us wrong last week. But on the flip side, the Titans showed us that even though they they may give up a ton of yards to one in particular player, whose name is Lamar Jackson. They will not allow that one player to beat them. Um, that defense was killing it, man. That front seven, um, Mark Ingram, like, had no impact on the game. Uh, neither did um, the other running back, Edwards. Uh, Lamar ran for 100-something, but, um, you know, he ran for 100-something, passed for, like, 400-something. Um, and to only put up, what what they score? They scored like fourteen points, maybe. Did they go for two? Yeah, twelve. Um, uh, they put up twelve because they missed that too. So they put they put up twelve. <laughs> um, shows me that Titans defense was legitimate, and that offense, if Derrick Henry is in charge, is killing it. Uh, I had some some reservations about Ryan Tannehill just going back to his old Tannehill self. Um, and, you know, my brother-in-law sent me a text and said, you know, what happens if they have to actually rely on Tannehill? But let's, let's stroll down Tannehill Allen. Tannehill, since they acquired him, hasn't been relying solely on, um, solely on Derrick Henry all season. Like, Derrick Henry's numbers, haven't really bolstered this much until that final game of the season. Uh, prior to that, he put up 270, or, uh, Tannehill put up 272 yards against the Saints with three touchdown passes, 279 yards against Houston with two touchdown passes, 391 yards against, uh, Oakland with three touchdown passes, um, 259 against Jacksonville with two touchdown passes, and in fact, against Kansas City, which they beat earlier this year, beat them by three points, but beat them earlier this year, put up 180 with two touchdown passes. He's He can put up the numbers. He just hasn't done it this postseason. He's put up 72 and 88 yards this postseason. Uh, that is nothing impressive, but when you have Derrick Henry who's getting the job done for you, you don't have to put up those numbers. So he hasn't been put in a situation where he has to win the game, but if he is put in that situation this week, Honestly, I'm not going to hate and say that he can't get it done. I, I think Tannehill could put the team on his back and get the job done. They have some pretty good receivers, um, and I and I believe that that Tannehill um, has a chance to go out and win this game for them. Um, before I make my pick. I'm going to let you make your pitch, and maybe it can change my mind of what I'm currently feeling. Uh, but what do you think? Yeah, so um, you made a lot of really great points. And I I believe anything that I have to say about the tight ends, go back and listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and and I I was able – our power we lost power, so I wasn't able to watch the game, but – I was able to kind of to watch a little bit of it on my phone, um, and as I was watching the Titans, the Titans defense, man, I realized like last week when I was making those points, I didn't even get to mention their defensive line. They've got Jarrell Casey, um, Jeffrey Simmons, out of uh, Mississippi State, um, and then they've got a couple of other people on the defensive line that's really good. Then their linebacking core is led by Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. 
And then obviously their secondary, like I said last week, is one of the best secondaries. To me, they're the best secondary in the NFL. So I, I like their chances again this week with the with their secondary because I think um, Adore Jackson will be able to, to match up with some of those receivers for Kansas City. Um, and then Logan Ryan on Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill is just a different, different athlete. Um, the, the, the athletes from Kansas City, obviously a lot more talented than, than the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Travis Kelsey, arguably the best tight end in the game. If he's not the best, um, he's, he's the second best tight end in the game. So, and then, um, their their running backs their running backs are are decent they're okay so if you're Tennessee you want to find a way to force Kansas City to have to run the ball but I just I don't I don't think that you're going to be able to find a way to make them make them run the ball um, anytime that Patrick Mahomes is involved like we said last week it's going to be a, an intriguing game it's going to be an exciting game um, last time these two teams played Patrick Mahomes threw for 446 yards three touchdowns and they still somehow lost the game. Um, Derrick Henry ran for 188 yards and two touchdowns um, when the Titans won. Now, granted, the Titans were playing at home, and I'm sure I'm sure that that had something to do with it. So Kansas City is, is always a tough place to go in there and play. Um, but the Texans showed us that Kansas City can be beat at home. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Titans were to get up, you know, I, I don't think that they'll get up twenty-one to zero. But if the Titans were to get up, um, I feel confident that the Titans wouldn't blow a lead the way that the, that the Texans did. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I think this game is going to be one of those games that it goes back and forth. Um, like you said, I, I do trust Ryan Tannehill if it comes down to having to him having the ball in his hand as time's winding down. I do trust him to make the right throws. Um, to that to lead Tennessee, you know, to to give Tennessee a chance. Um, I, I I don't know, man. Patrick Mahomes last week showed us why why he's just different from everybody else. You know, he's he's just that dude, man. Patrick Mahomes is on a different playing field than a lot of than everybody else. Um, I think this game's going to be close. Um, I'll go ahead and, and give my score. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be back and forth. I think that it comes down to Tennessee's offense versus the Kansas City's defense. And um, while while Kansas City put up 51 last week, their their defense gave up 31 points to the Texans. And I I think right now I think the Titans' offense is a little bit better than the Texans' offense. I think the Texans' offense is more talented, but I think that. The Titans, their offensive line is one of the best. Um, like I said last time, Derrick Henry ran for 188 yards against the Chiefs. Um, the dude just ran for 195 yards last week against the Baltimore Ravens, who I think have a better better defense than Kansas City does. I think this game is close, but I am going with the upset. I think the Titans advance to the Super Bowl yeah. 31-28. to Face the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Yeah, I think I uh, should have I should have predicted first because now it doesn't still look like I'm tapping you. I, I thought for <laughs> sure you were going to go with uh, I don't know why I thought for sure, but I thought you were going to go with Kansas City, and I thought I was going to be choosing the outside of the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, now no, we're I, on the record. <laughs> well, I, I I thought you made a lot of good points. Uh, what what are your major points that you don't even have to say you think they wouldn't because you said that. Um, you think that if the Titans would have went up uh, that big on Kansas City, they wouldn't lose a lead that big. Um, and they absolutely wouldn't because they went up that big on the Ravens, who have just as high-powered of an offense as the Chiefs, and they never let go of that lead. Yeah. Um, and, and because of that, and they know how to stay in control, at least they've learned how to stay in control and, and win, I believe Mike Vrabel, and the Tennessee Titans get the job done this weekend in Arrowhead Stadium. I also agree. It's going to be close. I do think it's going to be a little high scoring. Um, I mean, semi-high scoring, not like up in the 50s. But I do think Tennessee Titans will win this game somewhere around the score of 
like 35, 31. Um, yeah. they're not going to keep the, it's, so it's going to be close, I guess. No, I'm looking at the score against Kansas City's last game of 35, 32. It's going to be similar to that, I feel like. Um, the defenses, though great, I think are going to struggle to contain some of these offensive pieces. Um, yeah. I, I really feel like Kansas City is going to key in on Derrick Henry, which is going to be hard to stop. But by keying in on Derrick Henry, I feel like that's going to open up the pass game a little bit um, because Derrick Henry's ripped through teams. So the only logical thing is to find a way to shut it down. But then once you begin putting all that focus on the run, Tannehill may come up and, and kill you with the pass. Um and I kind of hope he does. So I'm going Titans this week, 35-31. We will see the Titans. We will, folks. We're going to be 2-0 two two this week, 2-2. Two for two. <laughs> uh, We've agreed yet again. I thought we would disagree on this one. I thought that you wouldn't err to your Titan ways, but you did. Um, we have the Once Upon East 112 podcast has officially predicted that it is going to be the Tennessee Titans, which everyone thought it would be. Versus the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. Um, we won't talk about that potential matchup yet because we need that to actually happen. And then we will discuss that at length on one of our next podcasts before the game. All right. So the last thing on the books to talk about is my beloved Cleveland Browns have finally made the decision for their head coach. Uh, I believe the news broke, um, was it yesterday or Sunday? It was Sunday. Thanks. News that, broke yeah. on, on Sunday. Um, we actually have not talked about it at all. We like to try and keep our, our thoughts of what we're going to talk about to ourselves. So therefore we can have a nice, true discussion on the podcast. Um, Donatus, when I say the name Kevin Stefanski, what do you think? Before I before I air out my my potential grievances or potential joys, um, what does that name mean to you, Kevin Stefanski? Kevin Stefanski, man. Um, you know, first of first of all, I think um, I allowed you to lead me astray when it came to Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> I was I was under the impression that he was not the play caller for the Vikings this year. And I'm pretty sure he was a play caller for the Vikings this season. He was, yeah. No, he, he was. No, he. Now, was, okay. No, let, let me, let me, let me. No, I'm, I, I want to clear. I want to clarify where I probably led you astray. Is I had heard rumor that though he was the play caller, he was not the brains behind it, which made me wary about him because I, me included, we're all high on Freddie Kitchens, and then once he was hired. Uh, the offensive line coach Bob Wiley, who he fi- who then Freddie Kitchens fired, started telling media Freddie didn't actually know what he was doing. It was the QB coach uh, Ken Zampis, or however you say his last name, was actually the brains behind it. And because that ended up being true, based on how our offense didn't do anything this year, I had heard that, and I had said that, which made me wary about Kevin Stefanski. I, he did call the plays, but I was wary on if he was the brains behind it or not. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. That, that's that's from me for not clarifying that, but that that is that was my my belief. But I knew he called the plays. Yeah, when I found out he called the plays, I was like, Aaron does not know what he's talking about. He called the plays. <laughs> um, which I mean, you know, the the Vikings had the Vikings had a a, a pretty decent offense. Um, they were middle of the road when it comes to total yardage total yardage put up this season they um they passed for they were 22nd in in passing they were sixth in rushing and they were eighth in points scored i think around 20 22 23 points per game scored um what i like about Stefanski and what i believe he brings to the browns is he brings play he, he he runs the ball to set up play action and the play action really opens up down the field. We saw Kirk Cousins have um, his best season throwing the ball downfield. And before this season, I don't think that anybody really thought of Kirk Cousins as somebody who, who liked to push the ball downfield. We saw Kirk Cousins super accurate down the field, and we saw him throw the ball down the field a lot. 
Um, to me, that, that works out really well for Baker Mayfield. I believe Baker Mayfield is at his best. I believe he was at his best at Oklahoma when he was throwing the ball down the field off of play action. So I think, um, I think, I think that it's going to be uh, right off the bat. I mean, just to begin with, I think it's going to be really good for Baker Mayfield. Um, Stefanski has, has experience working with two stud receivers. Uh, Stefanski's been with the, the Vikings. That's the only team that he had been with, obviously, before he got hired by the, by the Browns. Um, he's been with them since 2006. He's worked with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph at tight end, Dalvin Cook at running back. And the Browns have, um, as good, probably a little bit better talent-wise, um, personnel-wise, than the than the Vikings do. So Nick Chubb's going to have another amazing season. Nick Chubb, we don't have to worry. At least to me, I'm, I'm sure we said the same thing about Freddie Kitchens. But to me, I don't <laughs> think we have to worry about Nick Chubb getting the ball. I believe that Kevin Stefanski is going to feed Nick Chubb the ball early. He's going to use the run to set up the pass. And I love I love any time an offensive coordinator or offensive play caller does that because I believe that's the best way to to run an offensive scheme in the NFL. Um, I believe Nick Chubb's going to have a, a big season. He's going to get a ton of lugs. Um, he's going to get the, – the defense is going to start to creep up, and that's going to open up the downfield passing lanes for Baker Mayfield and for um, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. And then hopefully Rashard Higgins gets involved as well. Um, so – and then David Njoku, again, I think is a, a little bit of an upgrade – from a talent standpoint at tight end than Kyle Rudolph is. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited about this offense. Now, obviously, like as a coach, you're, you're, you're going to be based off of your, um, you're going to be judged based off of your decision making. And then also he's going to have to find a, a pretty solid defensive coordinator. So I think as long as Stefanski fills out his staff, which you know, some of the articles that I've looked at at the people that he's looking at adding to his staff, it looks like he has a pretty good um, idea of what he wants to do from a staff personnel-wise. I think it's also a match made in heaven as far as um, Stefanski was the runner-up for the job last year. Um, him and you'll have to correct me on this name, Aaron. I think it's is it Paul D. Podesta. Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's D. Podesta is how you say it. You, you, something like that. The guy who led the the Browns um, coaching and he's also leading their GM search, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both big on analytics. Um, Stefanski and, and Deepa Podesta hit it off last year. Um, they continued to 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 hit it off this year. Um, so I think that's gonna I think that's gonna work out good as well. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm not super big on analytics. I'm, I'm more of an eye test kind of person, but I do think analytics helps you um, kind of know what you're what you're getting into and what's working and what's not working. So I think as long as Stefanski uses that the right way, I think I think that he's got a really good chance to be successful with the Cleveland Browns. He's got a super talented roster again, um, one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. I think what's going to be super important to him is finding a, a GM who kind of knows what they're doing um, and then obviously finding a defensive coordinator because that defense is that defense is already um, one of the top ten defenses in the NFL. You just got to find somebody who knows what they're doing to call to call the place on defense. Um, I mean, I would think as a Browns fan, I, I would think that you've got to be feeling pretty good about getting seven – Kevin Stefanski, um, especially given all the the rumors and, and news coming out about Ke- uh, about Josh McDaniel and um, his unwillingness to to kind of let go of his way, uh, Josh McDaniel came out um, as more of somebody who is my way or the highway, and Kevin mm-hmm. Stefanski um, is willing to kind of is willing to kind of um, you know concede. Some of the um, the leadership and stuff like that. I think my concern with that is I, I would I would hate for Kevin Stefanski to be like a yes man. 
Um, but I think he's got a, I think he's not got enough guts to also stand up and say, no, I want to do things this way, or I think this is the this is the way that things should be done. But it's not going to be in a way that is my way or the highway. So, um, as a Browns bandwagon fan, I'm personally excited <laughs> for the Cleveland Browns. Um, but I, again, that's just as a bandwagon fan. So I would love to hear your thoughts as a true Browns fan. Uh, well, and and. I'm going to take one part, and then I want to start from the beginning for me. Um, I do agree that that with the Josh McCown – not Josh McCown, uh, Josh McDaniels, that he's either the your way or the highway. And I wouldn't say that that Stefanski is willing to concede as much as, like, he's willing to work with people and right. listen to other opinions, um, yeah. which I think was huge for the Browns, and which I think is also a reason why we got rid of, of Dorsey it's because Dorsey was adamant that it was like his way, period. Um, I think that's why he was so big on Freddie Kitchens. Um, now, my thoughts on Stefanski here. As we all know, based on the podcast about, uh, two weeks ago, I endorsed heavily Kevin Stefanski and deemed him our future leader for the Cleveland Browns. Um, not really. He wasn't even on my radar, coaches, <laughs> but I actually wanted uh, I got loud on the podcast. I declared Josh McDaniels the next head coach in <laughs> Cleveland Browns and that we would be in and winning the Super Bowl next year. Um, I was on the Josh McDaniels train all the way up, uh, till through Friday when I learned that he left Cleveland without a deal. I was like, Oh, we're not like, we're legit not going to hire. <laughs> Josh McDaniels. And then the, the coordinators that were rumored to be coming with him if he was to get hired both then took jobs elsewhere and it was like, oh, it's like that. So like we're we're not gonna hire Josh McDaniels. And everything kept pointing to, you know, either Stefanski or uh Sala from the 49ers, both of them. Obviously they played on Saturday. And so a lot of us Browns fans, we were hoping, you know, okay, we're going to watch this game. And obviously, we're going to choose the one that gets the better of the other one. Well, as the game plays out, we watched the fantasy's offense, you know, not be able to really gain much traction. Kirk Cousin has a not good game. They, uh, I think they only had like seven first downs or something, and, and, and Salah's defense, I mean, shut them down. So all of us were like, all right, well, I guess Robert Salah's our man. And then, of course, the next week, not the next week, the next day, the, uh, the news breaks that we have hired Kevin Stefanski as our head coach. And me, after watching their offense not do anything as the 49ers, I got irrational. I looked, I, I did not get, A, I didn't get Josh McDaniel. B, I didn't get the coach that got the better of the other one. I got the third choice, who was not anywhere on my list of coaches that I wanted. And me, being the irrational human being I am, was like, he just looks terrible on national TV. And Jimmy Haslam said, that's our man. And hired him. And I was so bitter and upset. I took to Twitter. I was mad. <laughs> I was angry. I posted several memes of Will Ferrell crying from several different movies and expressed that this was my emotions. And I did not want Kevin Stefanski at all. So on top of that, the fact that it was rumored that he didn't actually, he wasn't actually the brain, that it was Kubiak. And that Stefanski was just simply holding the OC role. Um, I didn't want him last year either when we were going to hire him. And, in fact, I'm even more glad that we didn't hire him last year because I learned that last year, like Freddie Kitchens, he took over the offensive coordinator spot like halfway through the year as an interim, which means that he would have only been a coordinator for like four games, just like Freddie Kitchens before we hired him. And I don't know why I was okay with Freddie Kitchens and not okay with Kevin, Kevin Stefanski because they both had the same thing. Um, but I was not about it. And then, and then, there's, uh, I listened to the Tomahawk show. So there's another, po I'm, I'm sorry, I keep dropping other podcasts. The two I listen to are Mina Kimes and the Tomahawk show. 
And it is two former Browns players, Joe Thomas, the great left tackle, greatest left tackle of all time, and Andrew Hawkins, really good slot receiver. Uh, both were teammates for the Browns. They started a podcast, and they talked about the hire. And Joe Thomas, and I have no reason to distrust these two human beings because um, <laughs> they are former Browns, Browns greats, and I respect them. And they said that Browns fans were tripping for hating on the Kevin Stefanski hire. And they broke down, and they broke down why it was a great hire. They broke down the fact that he runs the Shanahan offense, which they, now, I've never been a big Shanahan fan, but as I've seen him have success, like in Atlanta, I became semi-Shanahan fan. We had him briefly and then we split ways. And so I was kind of bitter about that because I was like, how are you going, how are you going to ditch us? Apparently there's more behind that that they don't tell you. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, they, they love Shanahan and they praise his offense as a lineman and as a receiver. And then watching Shanahan tear it up in the 49ers. And so Stefanski, they say runs Shanahan's offense. And Joe Thomas was talking about how he doesn't really know Kevin Stefanski, but those players that play for him currently. And it's spoken to them, and they have come out and say nothing but great things and how the Browns nailed this hire by hiring him as the head coach, how he is smart, decisive, communicates well, and is a great leader. Like, I mean, when you have the players who no longer have to say good things about you, like you're no longer tied to the Vikings, they don't have to say good things about you. And they're still praising how great of a coach you are. I was like, okay, well, there's another plus. And then to end it off, um, to end it off, um, one of my biggest knocks against Stefanski was the fact that he's only ever been with one team. I don't know why I excused Josh McDaniels three years elsewhere and not, and just for the Patriots. I was like, well, that's fine because he was with the Patriots. But Stefanski's only ever been with the Vikings. And I was like, no, he has no experience but with the Vikings. But one thing they mentioned was the fact that he's been through three head coaching changes. All right, good. And, I ask you, what do you typically see happen with a football team when a head coach has changed? Yeah, that's a really good point. They get rid of the other person's guys. Everyone else gets fired. Yeah, so good point. They pointed that out, and I'm giving all this. I am not coming up with these points on my own. This is straight from the Tom Hawk show because this is what changed my mind. This is I'm, I'm kind of expressing how I I flipped from 100% against Stefanski to I am on Team Stefanski till the day I die or until he gets fired um, <laughs> or until he does something stupid like Freddie Kitchens. But the fact <laughs> that three different head coaches deemed him worthy of keeping. Through three yeah. different regimes, they looked at him and they said, no, nah, we can't get rid of him. We need to keep him. Good. Tells me that he must be really good at his job. Yeah. And to be able to do that and to be and, and to have success with the Vikings um, leads me to believe that he's the man for the job. And if he runs the, the Shanahan offense, I think that offense is perfect for our team. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of run. It's a lot of play-action pass. And I think he, unlike Freddie Kitchens, is going to be successful with it because one thing Freddie Kitchens did terribly is he would try and do play-action pass without establishing the run. Like, everyone knows that Nick Chubb is good, but we also know (laughs) that you're not actually going to give Nick Chubb the ball. So, therefore, we're not fooled when you fake the handoff. Uh, Stefanski had Dalvin Cook on a whole nother level this year. He came back from injury last year. He had an okay year last year. had a great year this year. And through that play-action pass, was able to really light it up with Thielen, with Diggs, uh, with Rudolph. Um, and I would argue that our two top receivers with, with Landry and with um, OBJ are two better receivers than Diggs and Thielen. I right. think Thielen, who I do think is a great receiver, I think this offense has allowed us to see how great of a receiver he is. Um, and I think that if you can expose 
the greatness of receivers through this offense that Stefanski is going to be able to come in and really revolutionize our offense. I think it's going to help out our offensive line a lot, uh, especially if we focus on drafting some tackles because Baker needs some help. I think he's going to do wonders with Baker. I personally believe, though, I have no proof from statistics or from this past season, I believe Baker is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. I think by the time both their career is over, uh, that's going to be undeniable. And I think Stefanski is going to do wonders with him. I do agree with you. I think it depends on, on who he hires as his, uh, as his coordinators. I know that he is retaining our special teams coordinator, who we got from the Vikings, who took our, our special teams unit from like 29th in the league to like 15th in the league. We, we were historically terrible in special teams and we were really good this year. Uh, so he's retaining him. Um, rumor hasn't, word hasn't, I don't think words come out about Wilkes yet, but I know they're looking at interviewing, uh, Wade Phillips, who I actually think would be a great defensive yeah. coordinator for us. Uh, we have the pieces. He's a brilliant defensive mind. He's been around the NFL for a long time and he has head coaching experience. And I think yeah. he could be a, I think he could be a good mentor to Stefanski as a coach. Uh, not, not do the job for Stefanski, but someone to help mentor him. And then as far as our OC goes, I don't want Stefanski calling the plays. Um, right. I think one of the biggest mistakes, now I know Shanahan does it, but he was an OC for way longer than Stefanski yeah. was. Stefanski's been it for like a year and a half. Um, I would prefer that he not do what Freddie Kitchens did last year, but instead he focus on learning the head coaching role and hire an OC that does the exact same offense because, I mean, it wouldn't make sense to hire somebody that doesn't do the offense. And if we could somehow lure uh, Kubiak away from Minnesota to be our OC, um, now I think that would be a, a semi-demotion because he, he, his official job is assistant head coach. Um, uh, cause Stefanski was the OC, but if we could lure him out, cause he knows the offense, he, he's worked with the Shanahan's for years and knows the in and out. Um, or if we could take one of the 49ers, um, offensive coaches, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about the other LeFleur brother, not the one with Green Bay, but his brother, or, uh, Mike McDaniels, who was apparently a, a wide receivers coach with the Browns a few years back and Andrew Hawkins raved about that he is, that he is a, um, he is a offensive savant that he just knows his stuff and he is great. Um, I would like to see, I'm interested to see the coordinator hires we make and then also the GM hire. I know they have some, some good choices. They're leaning more on the analytical background. Uh, I know we're looking at, I don't know his first name. His last name is Barry who was with us when we acquired a lot of this talent and before he left us to go to be the VP uh, in in Philadelphia. He he was there with Dorsey when we acquired a lot of this uh, talent we got. So he'd be one who wouldn't be trying to blow up the roster, but instead help it grow, bolster it, make sure that our offense and defense has what they need. Um, so I have gone over the course of Sunday, what's today, Tuesday, over the course of three days, I have gone from completely anti-Stefanski, but still hoping he does well. Like, I wanted him to prove me wrong. There's some Browns fans out there that I don't understand that want the Browns to fail and want Stefanski to fail. So, therefore, we have to get a new coach and that hopefully has on the or has themselves the team, which I hope has themselves the team, but that's not going to happen. Um, I never wanted him to fail. I was hoping he'd prove me wrong. But ever since hearing uh, – from, you know, two former pro football players um, and their conversations with former players of Stefanski. And then the Browns keep posting uh, quotes from um, from Vikings players like Dalvin Cook about how great of a coach Stefanski is and that the Browns got to steal um, and that they're, he's going to do wonders with the team. It, it can't help but make me feel like we're actually going to turn this thing around. Because if your players, like your star players, not a player that has a nice connection to you but sits on the bench, but your star players are saying this dude is the dude and he's going to turn your program around, 
that has me feeling really good about this hire. He actually, I don't know if you've seen a picture of him, but he looks like someone who knows what he's doing, unlike Freddie. <laughs> and I am thrilled to see what coordinators he brings in and see what our offense looks like. They mentioned, uh, Joe Thompson mentioned that our offense is finally entering the 21st century, that we're going to be running some of the type plays that you're seeing happen in the NFL and not like trying to learn it at the 12th hour when the offense is going away, but we have a coach that already knows the ins and outs and can, can implement it immediately and make changes as the game grows. Um, so I, I am stoked beyond belief from yesterday about Kevin Stefanski, and I am excited to see what he does with the Cleveland Browns. I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times before that I'm excited. But this one, this is – this is the change we need. I, 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 genu- I genuinely believe this is it. And I am ready to go ahead and announce that the Cleveland Browns will be in the Super Bowl next year with Kevin Stefanski as head coach. The Once Upon East 112 podcast endorses it. We are both on the train. We will be on the Super Bowl with Kevin Stefanski leading it. You with me? So I'll say this: I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you finally came around to my side because I've been I've been on the Stefanski train um, since since the Browns started their coaching hire. I think he was one of the people that I was first um, first kind of hoping that they would go with, and then when I listened to you and you led me astray, um, I no, you misunderstood me. <laughs> but I, uh, I I hopped back on the train in time to say that I've been on the train, so. Stefanski, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry that I allowed Aaron to lead me astray, but I have always believed in you. Um, but seriously, you know, I mean, you know, Stefanski said that the sky is the limit for Baker Mayfield. Um, Stefanski was the quarterback's coach and I think maybe even interim offensive coordinator uh, a couple of years ago when Case Keenum had his big season. Um, yep. Baker Mayfield, way more talented and way better of a quarterback than Case Keenum. Um, we saw Kirk Cousins make a a huge jump this year um, with Stefanski calling the play. So I think, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to have his best years are ahead of him. Um, I think Stefanski knows his limits as far as play calling and when to, when to, I think if he was to call plays and see that it wasn't working, I think that he would say, okay, I need to let somebody else call the plays. Um, So, I, I'm not on the Super Bowl Browns to the Super Bowl train yet, but I, I do believe that Stefanski is going to have this team um, heading in the right direction. They will definitely be a playoff team, and I think within a year to two years, the Browns will be competing, contending for the Super Bowl. So I'll, I'll say that with Stefanski leading the way. Well, you heard it here I, first. I, we will I, be I, in the Super Bowl next year. Right this time. Yeah. I, I, I do too. I, I, I genuinely <laughs> think. After after digesting and acting like a toddler for a day, um, <laughs> hearing all the different takes, I do think we got it right. I think this was the best choice for Baker Mayfield's future. Uh, I think he's going to be able to work with Baker Mayfield a lot um, to really help him grow. I think Baker was so bad this year because the play calling was bad and his growth was stunted because he didn't have anybody to push him or coach him. Um and I think that's all going to change now. The reason why I was so put off by Stefanski was that one rumor came out um, that that someone said that he was not the brains, and I was shell shocked because of the Freddie situation because we that ended up being true because Freddie had no clue what he was doing. Now I hope Freddie's a good positions coach. He can eventually become a good coordinator, but at that moment in time, he was so in over his head, he was not able to make these good calls. Um, but I was shell shocked. But now I've come around. I've seen the light. I think Stefanski is our coach for the long haul. Um, I believe Baker. I do believe Baker Mayfield is the quarterback of our future. I don't believe he's a bust. Um, I know people have asked me, do I believe he's a bust? And by no means do I think he's anything close to a bust. I think he had a really bad year, and we're going to bounce back next year with an offense that works and a coach that knows what he's doing. Um, and coordinators and assistant coaches that are going to be focused on making the team better. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. That is our time. Uh, thank you for 
hanging in with us. If you liked what you heard, let us know. Uh, or, well, you can let us know and you can share it with a friend. Um, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Once Upon East 112 or join our Facebook group where we will be posting everything East 112 related. Um, once again, that is also called Once Upon East 112. Though I did toy around with the idea of just calling it to welcome East 112 since we're welcoming people in. I don't know. I'll decide. But right now it's called Once Upon East 112. Feel free to join that group. Uh, invite anyone that you think would like to be a part of the family. Because uh, when you're here, your family. Sorry, Applebee's. I took that slogan from you. Um, and, yeah. Don, is there anything left you want to say? Hey, guys, thanks again for listening. Hope you guys have an awesome week. God bless. All right. We're out.